0: Welcome to Tigers Tonight, a podcast dedicated to University of Memphis Tiger football. Here's your host, John Maddox.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome into the large program Tigers Tonight. I'm your host, John Maddox, joined as always by the best co-co-hosts in all the land. It is Thanksgiving week, and we will start it out this way. We will start with uh, Larry down in the palatial Marley Manor in Hernando, Mississippi. Uh, Welcome in. And what is Larry thankful for this week?
0: I am so thankful that I am home. I'm not in Phoenix, although Phoenix is awesome. I am also very, very thankful that we still have a shot at making a bowl, which I am am looking forward to.
1: And we will go down to Brian up in our, our northeastern office. Brian, how are you, sir? And what are you thankful for this week?
2: Oh, I'm thankful for the weather. It's it's chilly up here. It's in the 20s. Nipples are hard. It's 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 a good time to be alive. <laughs> I love it. And I, I know I'm the only one on this podcast that likes the cold weather. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be an interesting game, fellas. It's everything's on the line. So uh, which team will show up? Is it going to be the the team that wants it, or is it the team that's ready to pack it up? Well, we'll find out. That's
1: why games are not played on paper. They are played inside inside of TV sets, as Scott Van Pelt would like to say. So uh, before we get to next week, we do have to actually talk about what happened on Friday night down in Houston. Frankly, it wasn't as bad as I said it would be. I feared it was going to be worse than it was. Uh, But I thought, Brian, the kids kind of hung in there, played hard, just couldn't make plays when they really needed to, again, especially on third downs.
2: Yeah, uh, it's good game. I thought it was going to be close going in. What fourth quarter was what a eight point game at one point with uh, three minutes left. Uh, Memphis had had a chance to to do something. Ultimately, could not do anything. But uh, you know, one thing that uh, I liked uh, that I saw out of Memphis, and I, I know I had my spat with some uh, Twitter followers that I loved the play calling. You know, I, I've been begging for weeks to open up the playbook. What did we see? We saw draw plays. We saw reverses. We saw screen plays. Everything that I wanted to see, I saw in this game. Now, execution-wise, some plays worked, some plays didn't. But I was happy to see them try and, and you know, open up that playbook. They tried it. Like I said, not not everything worked, but at least they opened it up and, you know, hopefully next week they'll, they'll do it the same, but at least they tried something. Now, some of the plays, you know, I wouldn't have called at that particular moment, um, especially, you know, I think in the fourth quarter, there, there was a lot of plays. Fourth quarter play calling w- was, I guess, the worst play calling a- of the game. A-, a lot of it I question, but overall, you take all four quarters, you know, and you think about this game. To me, I'm satisfied with Coach Johns and, and what he called because he opened it up, you know, like I said, draw plays, reverses, screens. I saw it all, and I was happy about it.
1: You know, I mean, I only got to watch the fourth quarter, part of the fourth quarter because I was at the uh, basketball game. Um, but, you know, I think the thing that I was concerned about was – Lucky yet again, you. <laughs> yet again, on the defensive side of the football, um, we seemed to just show up way too much, and we just weren't aggressive enough defensively, and that shows up in third downs. We were two of 14 and they were eight of 14 and their average yards to go on third down were set. uh, I think it was seven and a half. And you know, that, that becomes kind of the the problem, right? Is it's the same things every week now it's the same things happening. And I know Larry's going to say it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's a lack of attention to detail. It's a lack of doing the little things. And you know, the fundamentals weren't there in the fourth quarter. Blocking, tackling, like, like those are things. But, you know, it's really hard to fault the defense when, again, they were 11 minutes – they were on the field for 11 more minutes than the offense. And – but, again, I mean, I feel like we could just record this part of the podcast from about week five on. I still surmise that UTSA broke this team. That That's still what I surmise. That, that from, that nothing, from that
0: 21 to nothing – from that 21 to nothing – when we were up to this very second we're talking, that team has not been the same. Nope. And, and, and we're going to talk just for a second. I don't know what your question is going to be, but I'm looking at – so <clears throat> average yards per rush for Memphis, um, we ran for 3.8 yards. They ran for 5.3. We, we ran for 106 yards. They ran for 197 yards. Let me tell you something, folks. When you're getting your butt beat in the rushing every week, you know what that means? You're getting your ass kicked, and that's what that means. And, and I mean, it's it's literally r- rushing is all about running yards, is all about um, lining up. Some of it's technique, right, guys? I mean, some of it is okay. They had a run blitz. Okay, you 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 got beat on a given play, but a lot of it is pushing your man. Five yards down the field that's what that is and we've we've seen this the offensive line week after week after week it has not I mean, am i wrong here guys it hasn't gotten better it has not gotten better we still have false starts we only had five penalties i'm curious of of those five penalties how many of them were false starts many? How, how many of them were false starts
1: well we had have- and- we had 30 yards in penalties, so they were all of the five-yard variety.
0: Right. But but here's the thing, and we talked about this off air. When, when You are in critical situations, and here's what I'm talking about. So, let's say you're at third and three, and you come up to the offensive line. What do you not want to do? Get a false start, right? Because you go from third and three to third and eight. Well, that's a hell of a big difference. And that that's point.
1: really a false start. Illegal motion, any of that stuff. That's really the only bad, well, outside of a turnover, but those are really the only two bad things. It is a that can turnover, John. Well, it's it a is, turnover right there. But I'm saying it's the only, you know, I always say that I'm hesitant to punt or kick because that introduces many more bad things that can happen to a game. But on third and three, the only real bad things that can happen are a turnover or a pre snap penalty. Because if you're third and three and you're Memphis this year, now again, I'm not talking if you're backed up, you're on four, but
0: right, right, you're right, you're going to go,
1: you're going to go for it on fourth down. So let's say you throw an incomplete pass, that's fourth and three. We can go for that from midfield, you know. But if it's yeah, fourth, well, but, but if it's fourth and eight, that's a tougher call.
0: Well, and not only that. Here's the thing: it, it, it you're, you're hurting yourself. You're beating yourself. How many times this year have we beat ourselves? The one thing you want, look, if another team beats you, lines up and beats you, okay, you know what, they're scholarship athletes, you, 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 you went out there, you played hard, but, but the talent level on this team, if, if we just play within ourselves and, play, and, and keep everything even, we're going to win a lot of games because we're not going to beat ourselves. Time after time after time, we have beaten ourselves. And by that, I mean penalties at the wrong time. Um, making, you know, we talked about not making a play. I mean, sometimes it's just about making a play. But but a lot of times it's about staying within yourselves and not allowing yourself to get, not allowing yourself to lose a play. Um, I've talked to you guys off the air. One of the things that we were always taught, if you're on third down, if it's third and long, and you're on defense, don't beat yourself. If the other guy makes a play, that's fine, but don't get a holding penalty. Don't get um, a pass interference penalty. Make them beat you. And 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 time after time this year, guys, and this is attention to detail, John, which you talked about. Don't beat yourselves. And what we had this week, we went through an entire stretch. In in the in the third and early in the fourth quarter, where well, we held Houston scoreless defensively, but offensively, we were and we would move the ball down the field, but we were beating ourselves and we couldn't <laughs> score touchdowns. And, That's what and, happened. And, that was and, the difference in the game.
1: And, and Brian, as part of that, Houston had eleven penalties for hundred and twenty-two yards. They had one sequence where. Are actually back-to-back sequences where we got thirty yards worth of penalties out of them. Six of our first downs came via via penalty. They helped you as much as a nine-and-one team is going to help you. It is up to Memphis to take advantage and use that help.
2: Yeah, during that, isn't that the same stretch where Memphis's best player was Dana Holgerson? <laughs> I, <mean, laughs> I mean, Memphis, I mean, Houston did everything humanly possible to help Memphis win this game, and you just couldn't take advantage of it. I mean, we've talked about it, uh, you know, every single week about shooting yourselves in the foot, the, the lack of uh, execution, and if you watch the, the press conferences, you know, Coach Johns, you know, today talked about it about, you know, here you are in week, what, 12, and they're still working on, you know, the techniques where the, the, the guys don't have proper technique. At some point, you know, come on, you got to blame the coaches. If, 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 if this far, or this deep into the season, it's it's on the coaches. To me, it's not on the players anymore. It's on the coaches. You know,
1: you had, you know, I, and I do want to take a minute because we've been very difficult on him well, on the Special teams in general, but you can't blame David Kemp this week either. Knocked knocked his extra point through, nailed both his field goals, so so you can't and, and blame him.
0: Very confident, John. He did. Look he looked confident.
1: confident, so you can't blame him. Um, you know, Seth had a rough go of it, but again, this was a pretty good Houston defense. Uh, our defense turned them turned him over twice. Uh, Jacoby Francis played out of his mind again. And at some point, i got to start thinking, well, maybe he's not playing out of his mind. Maybe this is how good he's always been, and it's just kind of been happening happening these last few weeks. So you look around, and you say, well, um, I've got to find, pull up the stats here. You look, and you see um, Seth is 21 of 45, probably one of his worst percentage, percentages of the season. Uh, no running game to speak of. Calvin had 103 yards. We only targeted Sean Dykes five times. I, I don't like understand it. I rock
2: his legs more this game than in previous games. And I know the coaching staff doesn't like him running, but to me, he was effective when he runs. You take take away what do they have? 14 yards and sacks, add those 14 yards to uh success. We well, had running. 30
1: he had 32 yards rushing and 20 yeah. of them net. So seven carries for 32 yards. Your quarterback's a little bit over four yards a carry,
2: run um, more. To me that that's where I think a lot of this season is lost, and it's past couple of years too, because if Memphis had a quarterback that wouldn't I, I don't want to say Seth is afraid to run, but just run, just go run. It, take what the defense gives you. If they give you five yards, go take those five yards. You know, don't sit there and try to sling it downfield, get an incomplete or an interception. Take those five yards and move on to the next down.
1: yeah, I mean to me. This all comes back to two main things, and they're, they're in intricately locked together. Poor offensive line play and our inability to run the football. That has hampered us so much over this, this poor stretch. Um, look, we got lucky. We beat a really bad Navy team. But other than that, and for a couple drives in the ECU, we, just, we haven't looked good. And it comes back to offensive line play, not running the football, inconsistent play calling on the defensive side. We just shell up way too much. And, and you know, if we were getting beat deep a lot, I understand shelling. Like, I totally get why you do that. You don't feel like you have – you can't play man well enough. You can't trust – and I'm just going to say their names because they're out there. You feel like you can't trust Greg Rubin and Jacoby Francis. What the hell else do those guys have to show you that they can tr- – you can trust them? Like, like, I, I, I just point? think
0: it's it's it, it that's his that's that's Max style, is to play that Tampa two, but but he doesn't blitz enough out of it. To me, uh, uh I, I would. So I'll i go back to the way we played FAU in the bowl game last year, where if you go back and watch, and 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 for some restrained reason, I pulled that up this summer and watched that game. We blitzed about 80% of the time that game, whether it was a run blitz or, or a pass blitz. We blitzed 80% of the time this year. John, you hit the nail on the head. What are we blitzing about 30% of the time at most? And You're I don't get it because here's the truth. And it's the same kids, it's but but they're better. Well, but that, I'm, that's what I'm saying. You're right. You're like right. It, it makes right even they, less sense because it's the same kids, it's the same guys, and they're playing better. We haven't you, you name me other than the Mississippi State game where we got beat we got beat deep late. That was it. Like you can't name a single time where somebody has just reared back and beat us deep all like uh, that hasn't Arkansas happened. State. Yeah, but three or four times. We <laughs> got it big was, plays. Yeah, you're right. But it was a crazy it, game. Same. That was a but crazy game. That was a game. different game and, and we were playing different. But but other than that, you're and you're absolutely right, they did. But that was, A, that was the second game of the season. And, B, um, I thought I thought we, we, we played a whole different way that game. But, but after that game, we have not been beat. You can't name one. Um, Mississippi State played because they got great athletes, and we talked about that. They have huge wide receivers. But there's nobody, even, like, we, we, we would lose those Houston receivers underneath but not deep. They were beating us over the top. Like there's nobody that went. Oh crap! How did he get back there? Like that didn't happen. So I don't get it. Like I would, I would have blitzed Tune. I would have blitzed him so much. I would have blitzed him in the bus on the way back to the. I mean, I literally would have blitzed him in the locker room. Like, I, I don't get it. I would have kept blitzing because we and, we were getting to it.
1: And to your point, Larry, when you look at Houston's receiving. Their long receptions are 29, 31, 16, 16, 10, 14, 9. So they didn't kill you over the top. I mean, you know, it's not like it was 56, 68. Um, And that's that's the part that I think just unnerves me so much is at the beginning and the middle of the year, I thought we were close to being really good because, Brian, I think you said it. We were a few plays away from being whatever and whatever. And our friend Jeb said this on Twitter, and it's very appropriate. There are four bad losses in the AAC, just in general. East Carolina, who's better this year? Let's be, let's be fair. They're better. Tulsa, Temple, and Tulane. We are 0-3 in those games with the fourth one this weekend.
0: And Temple is horrible, folks.
1: Temple and Tulsa are terrible. Navy is terrible. So that becomes the ultimate problem is usually a good team will feast on the teams that are terrible and just can't quite get over the hump. But I feel like as the season has gone on, our chances of winning games has gotten less and less and less. And that is – terribly concerning to me because yes the East Carolina game was close but I feel like East Carolina kind of led us back in that game
0: we should we should have lost that game by multiple touchdowns
1: uh thanks to the goal line defense or the red zone defense that's the only reason we stayed in that game and then you look at this league you play a team that throws two interceptions Uh, did they fumble I'm trying to remember let me go back over here uh, fumbles, fumbles, fumbles. They had at. two
0: turnovers. But, yeah, they, but yeah, they threw they two did.
1: interceptions. We didn't, we didn't fumble the football. They had 11 penalties for 122 yards. You picked Clayton Toon off twice, and you got beat 31-13. Like, I, I mean, and, I'm out. And,
0: and, and the talent level is not that much different between us and Houston guys. Look, yes, Houston Houston played has played well this year but the reality is if you if we held them scoreless for a quarter and a half and in that quarter and a half we managed to score six points and and the reality is they opened the door for us to to not only play you know they opened the door for us to win that game and we for whatever reason Did not, I mean, defensively, I thought we played great for a stretch. We played well for a long stretch, but we talked about it. Bad teams. What do they not do? They don't, they don't play well. Special teams, which we actually didn't do terrible this week. Special teams, but we weren't great. We had a punt locked, which cost us a touchdown. Yep. Um, We, 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 we had bad penalties and you can't run the football. If you look. Those three things right there, that's what bad teams do. We can't run the football. We have bad penalties, and and <clears throat> you have bad special teams. If you do those three things, you will lose football games, and that's the bottom line.
1: Ryan, I'm going to put you on the spot again. I love doing this to you. Uh, let's – I don't know. Do we want to pick 2020 or 2019 recruiting rankings for Memphis and Houston? And, and I'll give you a second to look those up. But, you know, special teams – This week, we got something new. We didn't get missed field goals. We didn't get missed extra points. But, hey, our friend punt block walks through the door. And and that's the unit I I will go to my grave with this. Part, a large, I would say 60% of our problems this year are from the fact that we get nothing positive out of teams, nothing out of special teams. If we could be competent, we'd want a couple games. But we, we just don't get anything, and what we do get is usually negative, and when something goes right, two other things go wrong. So, yeah, I don't know. So, Brian, what's the, what's the bad news? Or good news, whatever you want to call it.
2: Yeah. Memphis in 2019, that's, that's the year that uh, – Because these
1: would be the players on the field today.
2: It, um, yeah, yeah, because uh, Rodney Owens was in that. Uh, he's, you know, uh so he was Ducksworth, Gabe Rogers, Taj Washington transferred, but uh, yeah, I mean, very good class, fifty seventh in the nation in twenty nineteen. I think that was the the best class ever for Memphis, twenty nineteen Houston ninety fourth.
1: So to Larry's point, the talent now you know, the speed is probably a little different in Houston, but the talent level at Memphis is substantially higher, like 40 places higher, just just from a pure, and I know recruiting rankings don't really mean blah, 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 whatever. But when you look at it, the talent level at Memphis, Brian, is just significantly higher than it is at Houston.
2: Yeah, and, and it just, this is where I, I went, you know, a, a while ago and said that, The development part—I don't know if I said it on air. if This is when we were talking off air, but you know, Memphis has not developed players in the past two years that we're used to seeing. There's—I mean—because you have that 2019 class that was the best ever. Let me pull that. And
0: and we haven't developed an Antonio Gibson. We haven't developed a Tony Pollard. We haven't developed, you know, a a game Kenny Gainwell or
1: Coxy Anthony Miller.
0: Right. Brady guys, White. Right. I mean, I mean, none of those guys, you haven't seen any of those guys come up and go from a three to a guy that you go, oh, boy, he's an NFL guy. With
1: the exception of Calvin. I'll, I'll throw Calvin in that mix.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, but he was already there. He
2: he was, look, he he was on the 19 team. He was probably the third best wide receiver on that team. Let's go through this, this class real quick. It's quite interesting. This could be an article um rodney owens he's a starter Jalo clemens he doesn't play much i don't think from memory i don't he's on
1: special that. teams a lot i think
2: uh Jaylen sims cole mashburn he's, he's a starter brian thomas offensive line i don't even i don't know if he's on the team anymore uh john dale offensive line everett cunningham defensive end i think he transferred out gabe rogers Obviously he he's getting some playing time. Uh let's see. Deshaun Watkins, athlete three star. I don't I don't think I've seen him. Ducksworth, he's a starter. Wide receiver Cam Baker. I haven't seen him. Uh Joseph Honeysucker, he transferred out. Malik Stallings, I don't think he's on the on the roster anymore. Rodriguez Clark, uh, obviously he's a backup running back. Sheldon Lehman, he's no longer on the team. Drew Martin, tight end. Uh Trevis Hopper, no longer on the team. Austin Jones, have no idea if he's on the team. Taj Washington, no longer on the team. Yvonne Ivory, you know, he's a starting wide receiver. Jacob likes he's a starting offensive lineman. And Morris Joseph. That so, your, and, that's your best class ever?
1: Mm. And what, six or seven of those guys are playing or, have, or are starting or, or are still with us? So then, that leads me to Great say, show. huh? Yeah, that leads me to say, okay. Well, maybe you're not recruiting the right kind of guys. Well, guess where that goes, because it it becomes a factor like uh, putting John Maddox relationship cap uh, counselor hat on here. You know, if I'm a guy and I've, or if I'm a, I'm a guy and I've had seven girlfriends and they've all left me because either I cheated or I drink too much or whatever. At some point as a guy, I've got to be self-aware enough to go, these seven girls aren't terrible. The problem is me. Like, And so when you look at that class and you go, well, you know, those 13 of – or whatever it was, 12 of 20 guys, they just didn't fit our program, blah, blah, blah. Well, then that makes you a not great judge of character and talent and who you want on the team. So which is it? Are we a great – are we great at recruiting because – or are we great at getting big splashy kids? Tevin Carter, um, Brian, help me here again. I'm I work for a recruiting site and I'm the worst at recruiting ever. You four know these, star. yeah, these three and four
2: star kids.
1: You yeah, know
2: the, you, something I, I just know something's definitely got to change because when you take a look at that class and only have four or five starters, you know coming out of that, or, and then some of them even transferring out. I don't know That's you just, you just have to question.
1: And, and it's most concerning, Brian, when you look at that and you're sitting here and I, you're naming names, there are three, there are
0: six guys that you named. Never heard of. I, I, we don't even know if they're on the team. Yeah. Like, literally there there's some guys we know have, have transferred out, but you named like four or five guys. I'm like, who? Like, who are they still here? Like, like, I'm like, holy cow. Like, so, 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 just so everybody understands who's listening to this, we do this from time to time on the show. Like, Brian will go through a list of, and we'll usually, like, John, what do you think? Other than three or four guys, we normally will be like, yeah, we, I, we remember them leaving or we remember them playing, right? He just named six dudes, and I'm sitting over here, like, who, who was that? And even even Bryant has no idea if they're even on the team.
2: And the year before that is shockingly worse. It, you know, it just um, so I'll, I, I will I'll definitely do an article on this. The, the you know go back four to five years, uh, recruiting class to see how much in each class actually has participated and give gave memphis significant playing time and it's uh, it's, it's going to be low what
1: and I've let's seen. be and let's be clear every school has this right every school has a- attrition every school has kids that they recruited that just didn't fit or um they they were a victim of the gary parish knucklehead rule once a knucklehead always a knucklehead you so you've got all those situations that you got kids that just, yeah, in just the, in the, they just don't they work, just out. work out like that's that happens
2: i mean because that's that's
0: a lot guys that's a lot yeah it's i mean i look i've recruited i know like you you bring in you there's so we used to say there's a 25 percent rule so you would bring in you know and and you would your goal was to keep 75 percent of the kids and the other set of the 25 for whatever reason didn't work out or they just didn't develop but but you're talking about, John, uh, go back to Brian. How many kids were there? 19?
2: Uh, let's check real quick. On uh, the 2019, I think there was 23.
0: 23?
2: Yeah, 23. And, we, 23.
0: And, and, and of those 23, we're not talking about the guys we know because we know Taj and those guys transferred out. We're talking about six dudes. We don't know what happened.
1: And you've got six six guys, and, again, I'm doing rough math here, that have flipped that, roughly six or seven of those guys have been really big contributors for the, for the Tigers. So that means you've said the twenty five seventy five rule, and, and it gets even harder around the margins because you only can recruit, what, Brian, 15 to 20 kids a year roughly in a given year?
2: Well, uh, you, can't, you can't sign more than 25.
1: Okay. 25 is the limit. So, and it that doesn't matter if you have 40 scholarship kids or 60, it doesn't matter. You can only sign those 25 kids. So you're telling me that out of a class of 25, 30 to 35% panned out. And this isn't 1987 and you're not Bear Bryant, where you can just go out and give 164 kids, which is an actual number one year from Alabama, scholarships. You, that's double what you're allowed. And you're at Memphis, you're in the heart of SEC country where, and I'll say this to my dying day, whenever fans bring up this, oh, well, we shouldn't let Tennessee come in here and play. If Tennessee wants a kid, they come to Memphis and they get a kid. If Alabama wants a kid, they come get a kid.
0: It got a damn thing to do with they play us or not. Right. And,
1: And, you know, you've got Mississippi State, who thankfully has a terrible recruiter now, but you've got an excellent recruiter in Lane Kiffin. And so you you end up battling for a lot of the same kids, so
0: you can't afford to miss like that. That's the big you just can't afford to miss. But, but John, here's my question, and this is really a question for Brian: Did we miss, or did those kids just not develop, and decided to go somewhere else where they thought they might be developed better? Like that's the question, and and I don't I don't know that I never transferred in my career but but I know guys that did and one the main reason that they they transferred was they would tell me like I don't like the way I'm being coached that's the number one that's what they would tell me Brian I, I'm gonna ask you this point blank when 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 a kid transfers what do they tell you
2: well when they when they transfer it's uh, usually one of two things obviously playing time you know they, they want more playing time than what Memphis can give them. Or it's really Memphis isn't the same as what they thought, whether it be, you know, I guess the culture or or whatever. Coaching, you know, it just wasn't a good fit for, for the player. But playing for the most part, it's playing time. And some kids are pushed out because the staff thinks they can find someone better and you know sometimes it's it's the, the the player you know just really wants that playing time they they want to play and you know for me it's it's the majority is the playing time
1: all right so i'm going to i'm just going to go here on something i was told when he transferred that you know he's not going to make it where he went because you know he he's a memphis guy he's a three star guy he's not really cut out for the big time Taj Washington would be second in the team in receptions right now at USC this year. He's got 45 catches for 511 yards and a touchdown. Memphis couldn't use Taj Washington because he'd have definitely got playing time this year. That, that can't, that can't be the excuse, right? Because you lost coaxie and you lost a lot of other guys. So that can't be the excuse. And You know, I just feel like we're beating a dead horse here. But at some point, it has to come back to coaching. Just at some point down the line, look, I've been critical of Coach Silverfield. I was critical of Tubby Smith. I've been critical of Anthony Hardaway. So this is not me picking on Coach Silverfield. And then a lot of people will say, well, he hasn't gotten a fair shake. Well, I got bad news for you. Life ain't fair. And if if you're the CEO of a major company, and you had bad results, or you did well last year considering, right? Like considering everything, you did well. Um, you went out and got some great talent in your sales and marketing department, but this year you underachieve in a very critical year when your company is looking to possibly merge with a larger company, but only if the valuation stays up. You got to be kind of smart, know where I'm going here, but Um, you're going to be part of a conglomerate, but only if the value stays up. What do you think that board of directors is going to do at the end of the year if there has been a precipitous fall-off and no real optimism? Because Tubby Smith, I'll just use him for example, Tubby Smith wasn't fired at Memphis for losing basketball games because he didn't. Tubby Smith got fired at Memphis because he drained all the energy out of the program. So, you know, but then on the flip side, and I know uh, I'm not comparing them as coaches. I'm not saying they're in the same stratosphere. I'm not saying that they're anything alike. Ryan Silverfield's winning percentage is better than James Franklin's over the last two years. Now, obviously, talent level, a lot of other factors there. So that's why competition,
0: competition well, also.
1: But I'm just I'm just saying that's why the all you gotta do crowd is wrong because it is not always cut and dry. It is not always we pick on him a lot on this program, and I don't mean to. We knew with Larry Porter, like we knew, like four games into the first year, you know, and you know, so. I'm just interested to see what happens on Saturday. Um, You know, who's going to show up? What team's going to come out? Is it going to be the team that took Mississippi State apart? Or is it going to be the team that has squandered opportunity after opportunity after opportunity? Um, I feel like going on that Alexi Lawless rant right now, that if you've never seen it, it's fantastic. It's about soccer, but it's fantastic. And and it kind of applies here. um, Because a lot of guys have been handed a Ferrari. And some folks, and it's not just coaches, let's be real. Some folks have turned it into a UGO. For you millennials, go was a bad car brand in the 80s.
0: You mean like what Josh Pastor did? Come on.
1: <laughs> we're not going there. But when we come back, we're actually going to talk about football again. We're going to talk about Tulane. The Green Wave come in here on Saturday night at 630, and we're going to talk all about that. Uh, during the break here, of course, we'll have the first forecast from memphisweather.net and we will be back in just a moment. You're listening to Tigers Tonight. Hey everybody, John here, and while Memphis Tigers football is of course one of my passions, happy to host Tigers tonight. I do have a second passion, and that is travel. I'm a full-service travel agent, and I love to help families make their next great memory through an unforgettable vacation. Maybe that's a Caribbean cruise. Maybe it's a cruise somewhere like Antarctica. Maybe it's a idea of a great vacation is just laying by a beach at an all-inclusive resort, or maybe you've been dreaming of that trip to Disney. I'm here to help you make those dreams come true, no matter what type of vacation you're looking for. Hey, for Tigers Tonight listeners, I've got a special deal. If you book a vacation with me anytime during the Memphis football season, I'll give you 25 bucks off your vacation just for mentioning you heard about me on Tigers Tonight. In addition, I'll waive my normal planning fee of 50 bucks. That's just for our listeners here on Tigers Tonight. So just shoot me an email over at john at travelbyjohn.net and we'll get the planning process started. Again, that's john at travelbyjohn.net.
3: It's the last week of the regular season, and the weather couldn't be much better for senior night as the Tigers take on Tulane Saturday night in the Liberty Bowl. This is your Tigers Tonight first forecast from memphisweather.net. And since it is Thanksgiving week, let's take a quick peek at the forecast for Thursday. It looks like the day is going to start off wet. Rain around the area through the morning hours. uh, Temperatures in the 50s, but the front will move through by about midday. Could be seeing some dry hours by the afternoon with temperatures in the mid-50s starting to fall off during the afternoon. It's going to set the stage for a very cool but sunny Black Friday. And then as we head into Saturday and you get that Tiger gear on, head out to the Liberty Bowl Saturday afternoon. Temperatures will start to warm up as the south wind kicks back in again. We're looking for afternoon highs in the upper 50s with partly cloudy skies. And for the kickoff Saturday evening at 6.30. 52 degrees with winds out of the southwest at 10 to 15 miles an hour and partly cloudy skies should be a great evening for football. MemphisWeather.net is your number one independent source for no hype weather information for the Memphis Metro. For routine updates during good weather and wall-to-wall coverage when the skies darken, download our mobile app or follow us on Twitter. We are Memphis Weather One. I'm U of M alum and meteorologist Eric Proceus. Go Tigers! And we're back,
1: everybody. John Maddox, Brian Moss, Larry Marley. As I just said before the break, it's the five and six Memphis Tigers against the two and nine Tulane Green Wave. So Larry, when's we'll... the
0: last time that Memphis, as an under 500 team, and I'm, I already know the answer to this question. Okay, by the way, when's the last time an under 500 team for Memphis played an under 500 team?
1: I'm going to let you answer that.
2: Uh, My guess would be probably 2013, 2012. Yes. But what game was it?
0: Oh, what
1: game? I'm going to guess guess Tulane. I'm just going to throw it out. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, that I don't know.
0: Memphis played Connecticut in Stores, Connecticut, as we had won three games and they had won four. Three or four, 2013. That's the last time Memphis, as, as an under-500 team, played another under-500 team.
2: Were they favored you, they,
0: I'm sorry? Who was
2: favored that game, do you know?
1: Connecticut, because we uh, lost 45-10. Connecticut, and they beat the
0: ever-loving dog crap out of Memphis, which is what precipitated Memphis the next year in 2014 to beat Connecticut, like, 56 to whatever in in Memphis and that's the day John cried I was there with and I actually held him that day you, you you were you were you were cute hey, it was <laughs> my birthday too for crying out loud that was our first conference title that game all kidding aside it was really dusty in the Liberty Bowl that day um because you know we go in, and I re- I remember so well. I was at that game, and and I had almost gotten into a fight because I called a kicker an idiot, and um and I had to move up to sit next to John. Yeah, well, well, let me just say this: the kicker for Connecticut was an idiot. Okay, he missed like three field goals that game. <laughs> but regardless of all that, like so so that's a side note. So this game is is it, it's, let this sink in. It has been eight years almost to the day since a sub 500 Memphis team played another team that's under 500. So, here's the question for everybody on this, on this, who's listening to this and on this podcast. So, if you're Memphis and you're going into this game, the Tigers, you have to win to continue to, to, to move the season forward. What Does Memphis? How much does this mean to the players versus and the coaches versus the fans? Because to the fans, it's everything, right? Because we want one more game.
2: You want me to go first? Yeah. To me, it depends on which player you ask. The way the season has gone, I think there's some players. I would say the younger players that might want to just cut bait, cut their losses, prepare for next year. I think some of the older ones like Calvin Austin, I think they really want this bet. I think Calvin Austin is the type of player that doesn't want to be part of this uh, of the seniors that, you know, that drops the ball, uh, meaning they're, they're the ones that uh, ended the streak of going to a bowl game because he's been to a bowl game every year he's been here. And so, to me, I think the older ones really want this because they don't want to be the senior class that uh, that drops the ball. So, to me, it, it depends on who you ask. I th- and that's what's scary to me, that you have some on the team that is ready to pack it in and some on the team that, uh, you know, wants another another game out of it. They want a reward. You know, they they want that bowl game.
1: And let's be real. Some of those guys, you know, I think Calvin accepted, although – Calvin's probably borderline when it comes to NFL, I think. I think his size is going to hurt, him. we'll talk about all that mess later, but this is it. Like, if they lose Saturday, this is the last game of football they ever play. And that's something that only one person I think on this panel really understands, and it's, yeah. it, it's the finality. Like, I talk every year about this. And people are going to say, well, why are you doing a damn podcast if you feel that way? I love the start of football season. I love the middle of football season. But holy crap, am I ready for October and November to end? Like, from about October 15th to the end, I'm ready to be done. The older players on the team are the opposite. Because there is a fin- – even if they win Saturday, they know they've got one more. But it's it's chasing that high. It's chasing – uh, being a part of a team. It's chasing all those things, and they just need one more hit because there's a finality, Larry, right? Like you, you lived it, so you know. There's a finality that gets pretty emotional for, for players.
0: I literally have my helmet right here, and you've seen it. And I have the game ball from the last game I ever played right here. It's sitting five feet from me it's a finality guys and and so what you want is you want to here here's i want my last home game we beat middle for the first time in 20 something 19 years whatever it was that's what i mean that's what you want you want to have like that high so that it's not um you're not going out on a low and I, I as, as a senior, what you want is, okay, if you're gonna have a last game, right? We all are. Everybody will. But whatever it is, you want to look back on it and go, man, that was awesome. That's that's how you want to go out. And um for these kids, if they lose Saturday, what a crappy way to have a last game, right? Because man, damn it. You 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 were three and three and oh, right? You were three and oh to start the year. And and to to not be able to manage three wins out of the next nine games, what in the hell happened? And so as you're gonna and they're gonna go the believe me, they're gonna go the rest of their lives going, what in the hell? And and so for their sake. Guys, I know that some of the younger players are going to be like, man, I would really just love for the season to be over. I want to go spend Christmas with my family or whatever, see my girl and, and, and I was there. I was there. but but for their sake, go and win Saturday, go to your bowl whatever that bowl is and get your practices in and have a and go experience that bowl. I, I, I hope like hell. The, that team shows up for them. I really do, guys. I really do.
1: Yeah, and I mean, leadership starts on the field. You know, a lot of people say, oh, it starts with the coaches. It starts on the field. So it's, an, it's incumbent upon guys like Dylan and J- Jacoby Francis and Calvin Austin to implore that, you know, in the different – you know, Larry, you said, and this is true, that we all have a finality. But the difference is you can look at a calendar with this one and know – like, there's, there's a calendar date that your football career ends. And if you're playing a program like Memphis at an at a upper mid-major program, which is what Memphis is, uh, they're part of the class of G5, you've been playing this game since you were five. Like, you've invested 17 to 18 years, countless dollars, countless broken bones, bruises, blood, sweat, and you know it's coming to an end. And, you know, I talk to players sometimes, and they say, we're not playing for any – we're not even playing for ourselves. We're playing for our brother next to us. And, you know, there's a – I'm not a fan of his ordinarily, but Kenny Chesney has a great song. It's called The Boys of Fall, and I, li- I literally listen to it before every football season because it, it perfectly – it's about high school, but it perfectly puts it in. And it's about just playing for the guy next to you and getting the guy next to you to step up and go to that next level. Because I mean, you know, Dylan Parm's going to play in the NFL. I'm almost positive. He's one of the best offensive linemen we've ever had. Uh, Calvin, I, I think he can get there and help a team. And we've got a few other guys that, that I think have a chance, but this is it. Like, this is it, and, and the shame of it to me is um, I don't expect a big crowd on Saturday. I, I'm, I'll be shocked if it's 30,000. I mean, I you know, Eric gave us a great weather forecast, but I don't think that matters. I think people are so let down by how this played out, that, and that's unfortunate. You know, I yeah. don't ever encourage people.
2: I really do. lost Boston by himself. He, is, deserves, he
1: deserves it. Yes,
2: yeah. he deserves a good crowd.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a Bullsworth nominee. And for those who don't know what that is, that's given to a walk on who has earned a scholarship. Uh, He basically literally followed in Anthony Miller's footsteps Um, and he deserves it. And we got a handful of other guys deserve it, too, that, you know, say what we want. You know, I don't want to get in the politics of it, but last year was hell on these kids and the ones that stuck with us. They deserve a big crowd on Saturday. And. I just fear them. Well, I mean,
0: I, I, whoever goes, please be loud. Like, we'll be there. Like, John and I will be there. And be loud. A- acknowledge these kids. Because I remember my senior year running out under the goalposts, and I don't remember the crowd. It probably wasn't a, a large crowd, but we were playing middle. Yeah, it was decent. I mean, but I, what I do remember is after the game, when everybody came out on the field and tore down the goalposts, to me – and that's not going to happen Saturday. I totally understand that. But what I'm trying to say is that you want something memorable to happen, whatever that is. And, and and I hope these kids get something memorable. If that's If that is, at the end of the day, if it's you win the game to go to Hawaii, which that's a possibility, right, guys? I mean, if they win the game, they could go to Hawaii which I think would be awesome for the players. It's not great for the fans, but it's awesome for the players. Um, Something memorable to happen to these kids at their last game because you just want – the last game at home is special. And so if you're wavering on whether you're going to go or not, please go. Because I know it's at 630 at night. It's going to be cold. But um, uh, come, come see me. I'll give you some rum. We'll warm this thing up, and we'll make it happen.
1: Well, and I, I want to say something about that. Tiger fans bitch about eleven o'clock starts. They bitch about 2 thirty starts. They bitch about 6: thirty spot. We have to play a game sometime. And you know, people have to work. I, I you know, I get all that, they're sick. that that's fine. But you can't bitch about these individual start times and then none of them see, and it's the same people I see all the time. So when do you want the games to start? I'm like like so you're gonna now, I do agree that, in a place like Memphis, no college football game in November should ever start any later than 2.30 p.m. Because by about 9 o'clock, that Liberty Bowl, for those who don't know, uh, it gets a little chilly because the wind gets in there and it kind of just swirls around because the stadium's kind of a bowl. And so, I mean, it gets chilly. I mean, I won't know. I'll be in the warmth of the press box. But folks like Larry, the, the peasantry will be down uh, in, the, uh, in the gallows. <laughs> so but all all kidding aside so I mean it's going to be cold. but you know these kids deserve a send off all right so let's talk a little bit about football and I just I looked this up because I was curious um, about this Memphis is last in the AAC and this this number blows my mind in opponent third down conversions they are giving up first downs 47 percent of the time Brian 47 percent, which my Memphis City School math skill says basically one out of every two third downs, the opponent gets it.
2: Yeah, that's not good. And I know we, we've talked about a lot about the three, four. I really, really wish they would uh, you know, go with the four down lineman. But that's I mean, that's that is just crazy. That's something that has to be fixed um, uh, against Tulane. I know they're they're only a two-win team, I believe, what, two and nine? But they're, they're sneaky. I, to me, they're better than what their record is. Now, are, are they you know, six, seven wins better? No, but they are better than two and nine. They have played some teams tough um, and just ultimately, you know, uh, at the end of the day, didn't win the game. But you take a look at, the, I mean, their record, Remember the first game of the season? They nearly knocked off number two-ranked Oklahoma.
1: And I think their season goes completely differently if they win that game.
2: Yes, because uh, confidence uh, breeds confidence. Uh, when you take a look at some of the other games, uh, even the Houston and SMU game where it looked like it was out of control, early on, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they played well. UCF game, it was only 14-10, to 10. Tulsa 20-13. to 13. So they can if – if Memphis doesn't play their A game, Tulane is the type of team that can, uh, you know, come in and, and fight you in the rear end. And as much I'm going to go old happened, school on this, John.
0: Uh-oh. Do you remember years ago, this was Tommy West was was still here. It was right after D'Angelo. I think it was like 2005 or so. We go to UTEP. UTEP is five and six, just like us. And we, we had won like two or three games. We roll into UTEP and we beat them breaks off of them and, and, and they lost and didn't get to go to a bowl. This is a very similar scenario to that. And, and, and I know, I'm, I'm now an old man and I remember all this old stuff, but I'm telling you that, that in the next year Memphis with Martin Hankins and all that went crazy. And we, we won like seven or eight games, but that was Hankins first year here. And, Similar, was 2006. Very. Yeah, it was
1: 2006. It was 2006.
0: And yeah. I'm telling you, very similar scenario.
1: Yeah, we were two and 10. We were two and nine going into that game. Right. And and we won be, our
0: third. Right.
1: We won 38 19 out there. We,
0: right. I'm telling you, this is a very, I'm, I, I, look, I'm not a negative Nancy by nature. This is, this is feeling like that game to me. You've got a team. Memphis team that is, is, is not playing well mentally. I don't know where they are on this game. And you've got a Tulane team that just beat the crap out of somebody last week. Was it temple They beat the crap out of beat the crap out of somebody. Um, I'll look it up right now. Um, and, and South Florida, um, they beat South Florida, 45 to 14. They're going to come rolling in. Pratt is not a bad quarterback and they've got a, Overall, they have played well at, at times this year. Their record is not indicative at all of, of how well they have played. If you don't show up, they're going to beat your ass, period. And that's a fact.
1: And, and, Brian, one thing that concerns me a little bit as much as we've had trouble with the offensive line, Tulane is second in the conference in sacks. They average right at 2.8, right at three a game, and Houston is first.
2: And do you know who has uh, who Tulane has that is very familiar with Memphis?
1: Isn't uh, Will Hall still there? No. Will
0: Hall. Will Hall is the head coach. Uh, uh, at, uh, who's Southern the offensive
1: Central. coordinator? Uh, Player, not a coach. JoJo Dorcias. That's right. JoJo's there.
3: Yep. Oh, and,
0: yeah, uh, but is it, is it their offensive coordinator, our former offensive coordinator?
2: He used to be at Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, Chip Long. He's their Chip OC. Chip Long.
2: And Chip Long knows uh, Silverville very well for, for, for years. So Yes, he does. A lot of, a lot of interesting things. And, uh, you know.
1: And, and this is another one of those games that, that can be crazy at times. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they beat us pretty good up here when they had Sean King. I'll say that was 98, the year they went undefeated. And then we took a – Rip took a couple of terrible teams down there and just beat their breaks off of them. Uh, of course, we won our bowl, our first bowl game in 03. Uh, down there so it's just it's always been a kind of a weird series um but I just I'm worried about the psyche of the team and I'm worried about the how they're gonna feel when they run out of that tunnel and there's 20,000 people sitting there like what's what's that gonna do to their psyche and I know everybody's like oh they don't care about they don't care, yes you do. but you notice it like you, you notice it. And so does that, because again, this team's very fragile right now. And I don't mean they're soft. I mean, they're very, their psyche is very fragile because I, like I said, and I said this in the first segment, like UTSA did something to this team. Like they, because that hasn't happened to Memphis in a very long time. Usually if Memphis is up 21, nothing. It's 49, nothing before you know it. But that happened, and you know, yes, again, they beat a bad Navy team and they've played well in spots, but they haven't been the same team. Um, so I'm just curious about Saturday. Will the team, you know, will Memphis have Brandon Thomas on Saturday? I, I'm gonna guess no. Um, how will Memphis's offensive line perform on Saturday? Because to me, right, that's the key. If we can line up and you can run Dreek Clark and Asa Martin, who's played much better as of late. Um, Marquavius Weaver has been outstanding this year in his spot duty. Like, if you can get those guys going and Memphis can run the football, they stand a chance. Memphis is last in the AAC in time of possession. They're near the bottom, I think, in rushing. Uh, let me click back over.
0: Well, Tulane's only, only allowing 160, 155 on the ground. Memphis is allowing 170 under 67.
1: And Memphis on is ground. only running for 145 yards.
0: Right. I, this is not a recipe for Now, now two lanes allowing 260 yards again through through the air, but we're allowing 265. But, so but keep in mind with the running game, guys,
1: this is a running game that was fifth in the country after 3 weeks.
0: Oh, oh we understand, but the, the, I understand, but yeah. the pro- the problem you have is, uh I know Brandon Thomas, but but there's been a, a serious. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, somebody stop me. There's been a serious regression in our offensive line play.
2: But somebody past- tell
0: me I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, all right. and 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 it's not just it's not just it, it hasn't just been in, in rushing, like our pass protection has been. Eh, I mean, I saw we've all seen it in person. Um, against against Temple, it was horrendous. Against against really bad teams, Tulsa, like we couldn't protect our quarterback against Tulsa. Like, what the hell? It's been it has been horrible, and and so now we're going to bring a Tulane team in here, who is the second best pass rush team in the conference, and. You're going to tell me all of a sudden we're going to turn into the, the 1994 Dallas Cowboys. No, that's not happening. Like that's not going to happen. Like I don't, I don't, unless something unforeseen happens, guys, I don't see us all of a sudden running for 260 yards. Like you're going to have me. This, this game is on the back, let's say for what it is of Seth Hinnigan Of Calvin Austin, of Sean Dykes, and of Javon Avery, and Gabriel. But, I mean, they're going to have to throw the ball. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, I will say Tulane is
1: ninth in the conference in rushing defense at 168 yards. So this is another opportunity for Memphis. But Temple is giving up 221 yards, and we couldn't run the ball against them. So this is another opportunity for Memphis to understand that, okay, this is a bad team that we are playing. And, you know, players and coaches don't get into that. What is it, any given Saturday, blah, 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 Lou Holtz, blah, 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 blah. This is not a good football team. So is Memphis going to be a team that takes the screws to Tulane? Like, are they going to come out and say, you know what? we have suddenly magically found a killer instinct and we're going to get ahead of this team early and we're going to put our foot on their throat and we're going to keep going. Um, to, is this a game Memphis finally takes out their frustrations on a lesser opponent? Uh, Cause it's been a frustrating year. And now Memphis did that one year down in new Orleans. We had had a terrible year and we played them late in years. Rip was still here. And we just went down and we were fake punts and fake field goals and Deep passes, and I think we won like thirty-three to nineteen, but it was a like twenty-seven to ten game late, and we threw a eight Bernardo and threw a long touchdown. Like we just we were going to take advantage. You know, we took some of our frustrations out on really two. Got lanes. an
0: extension out of that game too. Yeah, you?
1: he did. He got a he got an extension. So you know that that's my question, guys, is what Memphis team shows up. Uh, you know what what is not not necessarily physically, but a mindset.
0: Let me ask both of you the a question. Is there any question about who has the most talent? No, no. So we're sitting here arguing, literally, we're not arguing, we're 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 questioning whether or not yeah, yeah whether or not we can win this game when Brian, Brian, we're gonna put you on the spot. Look up Tulane's recruiting in 2019. Just, I mean, we're going to give you a few minutes. Please.
1: Hopefully kept the tab open. But, yeah, right. I mean, your point, Larry, is, is very valid. Like, the, the talent disparity between Memphis and Tulane, we're not doing a math ball here. This is football. So Memphis should have the better team. Now, I will say that Memphis and Tulane proved to me a couple of years back that it is possible to have a bad time in New Orleans on a Friday night. I, 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 before that game, I was blissfully unaware.
0: Line Last up. year, we got the dog piss beat out of us in Tulane. Like, I mean, and I'm talking about – I watched that game on TV because Jennifer and I talked about going down for that game. And and with the la- and literally Friday night, we were like – I can't remember. The, the, I think the game that delayed because it was a late – it was an early December game. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys.
1: No, you're right. It was uh, December 5th. We got beat 35-21.
0: We got the dog piss beat out of us. They beat us like we stole money in Tulane. I mean, so I'm just telling you, like, this is not a walk-off. And anybody that's going to that game, why? I don't know. Brian, enlighten us. In
2: 2019, Memphis, again, was 57th in the country. They were 86th.
1: So they were better than Houston. Yeah. Oh, and I did fail to mention in the first half um, of the show, and I don't know why this rubbed me the wrong way, because I'm not a big sportsmanship guy. That's I don't, I don't really care about that stuff. Did you guys happen to see Dana's post-game interview? He's a prick. He is. A, no, he's an asshat. Like, he gave Memphis no credit. He just talked about how poorly they played, and he was very dismissive of Memphis. And I get it, you're a good team, but but he's always been an asshat. But I just found that, like, exceptionally odd, that, like, dude, you've won nine games this year for the first time in probably ten years. Calm down. Like, you did not beat a great Memphis team. Like, you know, most coaches are like, oh, you know, Memphis is a great team. They – you know, they play hard, which is always the first sign you're not a great team when the other coach says they play hard and, and they play smart and they they've taken the uh, mindset of their coach. And like, that's what coaches should do. But anyway, he
0: didn't. He's an asshat moving on. All right.
1: I mean, I'll give him
0: full credit for for not at least not even mentioning Memphis because we played like absolute crap. And so,
1: he, he had a great and, game plan. And, and, I mean, they 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 game plan very well for Memphis. Anyway, yeah, enough about I mean, that game. Plan. All
0: right, so what? So you're saying we got out coached. Well, there's you know, there's
1: well, that's another podcast. All right. Let's see, 630. So three, three and a half. And let me let me bitch again about that Houston game. There is never a reason that a a team between two games in the central – between two teams in the central time zone should start at 8 o'clock on a Friday night. Never. That should never happen. That game did not go off the air until 12.05, once all the post-game stuff and all that. That is ridiculous, and it's embarrassing to the AAC. AAC. Like The good news,
0: it was was prime time for me in Phoenix. I'll just say that. It was prime time. (laughs) Neither of the
1: teams are in Phoenix. Anyway, all right, so it'll be, let's see, three and a half hours. That's going to be 10 o'clock, which somehow sounds a little better, I guess. Uh, we'll say 10.06 p.m. Brian, you will look up at the scoreboard at Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium at Rex Stockery Field, and it will say.
2: It's going to be a close one, in my opinion. I say Memphis wins um,
1: 31-27. Mr. Marley?
0: No, I, I think Memphis wins this game. I, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of senior leadership on this team, and they're going to win this game. I'm going to say 39-13, Memphis. That the, they come to play this game, and and I I I think they're going to send the seniors off. One of the things that I, I do think this team has is a lot of senior leadership, and I've seen it, and and I think they want to play well for the players. I will be very clear. I don't know how well they want to play for the coaches, but I think they do want to play well for their teammates. And you see Sean Dykes, you've seen Austin, uh, Calvin Austin, and and those guys, and not just those guys have set the tone, there's a lot of seniors on the defensive side of the football. I, I, again, I think Memphis comes to play. They're going to win this game, and they want to play in a bowl. Um, now, how they play in the bowl, will that's another podcast.
1: I've gone back and forth all week. Like, I, uh, what I saw Friday was frightening and disappointing. What I've seen in the last few weeks out of this team has been, you know, just incredibly disappointing. Um, so many seniors on this team. Fine. I'll say it. 28-24 lane. I just don't think Memphis has the ability to win right now. I I just, I think they've had a couple of close calls and that, you know, that kind of undid it. And, you know, you're kind of seeing this with SMU right now, right? Like all the reports are Sonny Dykes is going to be the next coach at Tulane or at uh, TCU and death taxes and Rhett Lashley being pimped for every head coaching opening in America. Those are the three certainties. Um, I wouldn't oh, hire. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just don't feel like Memphis can win. I, I want obviously. I want to win because I want a bowl game. I want to send Brian to Hawaii this year for crying out loud. Because I don't want to go, but I'll send. I'll put Brian on a plane and we'll send him out there. Um, but, but I don't know. I, I just Brian. I just don't feel like they have it. I won't say they have it in them outside of a handful of seniors i don't know if there's enough interest to win this game
2: yeah that's scary um i'm glad we're all back to normal <clears throat> you know me and larry being the uh, the, the optimistic ones positive and- pause <laughs> so I,
0: I i will say this i i could absolutely see that happening because if this game goes sideways early they'll they'll phone it in like I have zero doubts about that. There, there is, if you look at that sidelines, and i, I I've, we've all been there. But when I was at the Tulsa game, I've been on. Listen, guys, I've been on a lot of sidelines. And and, and my sophomore year, we went three and eight. I I, I remember standing on the sidelines and just standing on Jesus Christ. I want the season to be over. I saw a whole bunch of that. Seriously, there was a bunch of guys on that sidelines that there was a million places they wanted to be that night other than Tulsa, Oklahoma.
1: Well, I mean, let's be fair. Well. (laughs) Tulsa, let's be fair.
0: Let me also say that that is the worst stadium Uh, I, th- th- I haven't been to all the stadiums in the AAC. But that's got to be way up there about the or the worst stadiums. But anyway, um, if you haven't been to that stadium, then don't. But, but, but all kidding aside, like there was a million places a lot of those kids wanted to be in that game. And here's the sad part. You only get 48 games guaranteed in your college career And and for you to have one game where you don't want to be there, that sucks. And and I I, there's a lot of of uh, like I remember that I remember that season, and that's the I'm not trying to scare everybody, but that's what I saw. I even tweeted it out. The body language of the players is horrible, and I'll be honest with everybody here. I think I do believe they'll win Saturday, but. I don't know how much will-to-win there is. And if we don't get up early, I, 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 I'm I not sure that we'll have a lot of that. I'm being honest with everybody. I'll never lie.
1: The folly of youth is often wasted on the young. So, Brian, now we've given our predictions. What What does Memphis have to do to win the game on Saturday?
2: To me, just – Stop shooting yourself in the foot. We've said it every single week, and it's just it's getting old. Uh, but to me, if you if you you know no stupid penalties, take care of the football. You know you should be able to to run the football. Uh, now I don't. I'm not going to say that they'll run it effectively, but I think you can run enough to keep the defense honest. So you can open up some passing lanes. Uh, to me, now this is why you play the games because on paper. Memphis should be favored easily, and they're only favored by a six. But you, to me, you, I want to see better execution. And it's, you know, Coach Johns, Coach Hillfield, they, they've all talked about it that, you know, this late into the season, they're still preaching on, you know, better execution, better technique. And we've said it before. It, it's it's To me, I blame the coaches more than the players this late into the season if you're still preaching that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I want to see better execution because I think you're going to have to
0: I execute. I have this question, Brian, and and this is for both of you. If you're this late in the season and the coaches are, are telling you they're saying the same things over and over, yeah, over. At, at what point do you say the players aren't listening? Like they've tuned you out. And and that happens, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, no, it happens. Question that's, that's for the administration that day. Look, just, look, if, look. If, if just, Justin,
0: Justin lost the 2013 team. That happened. Yeah, I, I watched it. Um, he lost the 2013 team. Team Porter lost both of his teams. And 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 I'll be honest. Raglan lost our team in in 19 in 91. We were done. Like that last game. We 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 played well against Middle, but that that was it. We were done. It happens, but here's what's curious. I've never seen a team that started 3-0 and that had a good run that that the coach lost. I've, I've never seen that before. Is anybody – I mean, I'm asking you guys. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think it's tough to say that anybody has, quote, lost the team.
0: Oh.
1: Um, i uh, trying to walk a fine line here. Um, I do think that, you know, you guys have a very valid point about, you know, why are we still working on fundamentals? Yada, 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 yada. We're 12 weeks in the season. But at some point, and I I think one of the players has talked about this. You gotta go mocks on them. You gotta say, you know what? I have enough pride and I have enough of a competitive edge that i want to prove that guy wrong and i want to show them what i'm capable of now the problem is you got to get 11 guys to buy into you like mox did right and for those who don't know again millennials that are watching uh, there was a movie um go look it up it's great um you got to get the rest of your teammates to buy. And that goes back to that playing for your brother next to you bit, right? Like, so damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead has to be the mantra here. And if it's not, then some of that is on the players because these are not kids like they're not taking me and you and Larry and trying to develop us. Like these are well, these are highly recruited athletes that have been tremendous athletes since Pee Wee football. That because to play at this level, you have to have a competitive fire like nobody else. That's why people always say, Well, why do coaches take X job? Well, a coach has what we call crusaders' arrogance. He feels like he can fix everything. Why do women take in narcissistic men? Well, I can fix him. And coaches feel that way, and players feel that way. I know that everything sucks, but if we can just get Seth and I on the same page, we're going to be fine. But the concern comes when the players have to do that. Right, Ryan, like the players should not have to do that. That's the concern.
2: And the way I, I'm seeing it from outside looking in, I mean, we're not there every day in practice or anything like that. It, it, to me, When I see Coach Silverfield and compare him to Coach Norvell or uh, Coach Fuente, to me, Silverfield is more of a player's coach, and I'm wondering if this team, they don't need a player's coach. They need more of a, I don't want to say dictator, but more of an authoritarian.
1: Pardon my French, they need an
2: asshole. (laughs) Uh, Well, well, I think they're just looking for direction.
0: I mean when you when you lost to UTSA what they needed was okay let's regroup get back together and and push forward I don't know that that's what he didn't do cuz we don't ever go to practice We yeah, go but but what we saw on the field was a bunch of guys that went oh shit what just happened and we go up to temple and get up early and lose now all of a sudden, confidence is shaken, and and they needed a firm hand. They needed a firm hand. To me, I mean, you need a coach to come in and go, "You're going to do X, Y, Z, and it's going to work." Whether it, whether you believe it's going to work or not, to me. But again, we're Monday morning quarterbacking, and yeah. I'm not I'm not into that. But all I am going to say is this: We've looked at the results of this team, and the results is it has regressed from the beginning of the season to right now whether we want to disc- whether we why that's there it has regressed and, and i don't know guys this isn't like 2013 where the the team sort of started slow and never really got in traction that's not this at all we had a lot of traction early in the year both offensively and defensively and it has regressed to the point now where we're arguing whether we can beat a 2-9 lane team.
1: Well, I don't know. There, there's a lot to unpack here. All right, so a little bit of scheduling kind of information here. We'll have a show next week. Um, we probably will not know our bowl game until – I'm guessing after the championship games, we might know it next week because obviously we're not going to be a participant in said championship game. Uh, but it's just, it's how all the other conferences work out. And, and, um, I put an article up last week about our bowl projections. I'll do another one after Saturday. We'll start to get some clarity on the, on where we're going to go. Um, and again, that is all incumbent upon Memphis taking care of business on Saturday. Um, so we'll, we'll do that, and then we're going to take a couple of weeks off. We do have some basketball in there, but, frankly, we've been 13 straight weeks, and uh, I love these guys, but I think we all three could use a little bit of a break in what it's been. I love you
0: guys. Uh,
1: yeah, well, I like you okay, I guess. Uh, it's been a tumultuous season, a lot of ups and downs, and it's just we'll need a break for a couple of weeks, and then we'll kind of go. So we'll, no show the week of the 7th or the 14th, um, and then we'll come back before the ball game. So next week we will ramp Tulane. And in the second half of the podcast, we will have a postmortem on the season, regardless of the outcome. So, uh, Brian, what you got working over at TSR this week?
2: Well, I plan on uh, taking the train ride to Brooklyn, and hopefully, I don't miss the train back because if I do, that's a
1: long walk, brother.
2: Not only well, I'll be sleeping in the subway until like four or five a.m. before the next train uh, <laughs> leaves for my uh, apartment. But yeah, no, I'll I'll go to the basketball games in Brooklyn. Um, I also plan on doing that uh, article, uh, the recruiting uh, class past four or five years and see how how much they developed and stuff like that. So yeah, a lot of a lot of recruiting, a lot of basketball.
1: Yeah, I'll have um, I'll have nothing this week. <laughs> I'm <not> gonna lie. <laughs> I'll
0: probably uh, I'll, do a roundup. I haven't done it in a while, but I'm gonna do a roundup after this week just to sort of. Round up this CUSA season, sorry, uh, AAC, AAC. God, <laughs> hey!
1: In a couple of years, if Memphis doesn't get out of here, you're gonna yeah, feel like I mean,
0: that's we'll correct. Be. But, but uh, the AAC season, and then we'll um, because because I kind of want to go through one of the things that just broke while we were doing the show was that Cincinnati is now one of the four teams in this in the college football playoffs. So, um, the, the interesting thing, guys, that opens up. That opens up another New Year's Day 12 spot, which I don't know. that I don't think it will go to another G5 school, but it could. And that's an interesting – So,
1: not to get too off track here. So, the only way a G5 is guaranteed is if they're conference champions. And Cincinnati's got to beat
0: Houston in two weeks. That ain't going to be an easy afternoon for Luke Fickle. And you know what? They've got to go to ECU this week. That ain't going to be no – That that's not – I don't think ECU is going to be – but I was actually sitting with an ECU fan Sunday and um, here in town, and he and I were talking about that. They think go, rolling into Greensville, they think they got a shot. I don't know that they do, but they think they do. And well, I mean, these-
1: it's, it's another place that you just don't want to go. And, and if Cincinnati is going to slip up, that's a place they would slip up. So,
0: right. Because, because th- like that's a tough, that's a, a, that's, that it's not easy to get to. And, and you get there and you're going to have 40,000 people sitting right on your ass the whole, for, for the whole game. Um, and, and look, let's be honest. I, and, and I'm going to go on a rant for just one second here. The AAC gets no credit for the teams giving Cincinnati trouble. Like, it's like Cincinnati should be blowing the doors off all these teams every week. Here's the reality Cincinnati is playing some good teams. They're not great, and don't get this twisted. None of them are going to go to to Tuscaloosa and beat them, beat Alabama. None of them are going to go to Athens and beat Georgia. But I'll tell you this there is none of those teams. That, that that should just get the crap beat out of them every week. And Cincinnati doesn't get any credit for beating those teams. But that's a side note for just a second. They're going to go to Greenville. That's not going to be an easy game. And then Houston's going to come rolling in the Cincy. That's not going to be an easy game. And and they're not going to get any credit for winning. If they win, they're not going to get credit for winning either of those. That's bullshit. Excuse my French. Oh,
1: I thought I was the only one that went on rants on this program. So that that kind of brings us to a close here. Uh, Cincinnati, Houston, of course, locked into the AAC championship game. That game takes place December fourth. So if Cincinnati does make it into the college football playoff. I wonder if that meets the requirement to open an access bowl to a group of five team. Uh, because if they have a, I'm going to tell you, if they have an opportunity to not allow a group of five team, they're going to take that always. And I'm still not firmly convinced that Cincinnati ends up in the playoff, especially if Alabama either, A, plays Georgia close or, B, were to beat Georgia. Um, I think that's – I I put it right now at about a 20% chance Cincinnati makes it in. I, I just – I don't see it being allowed. But anyway. And, and,
0: and, and, and I firmly believe this. The reason they don't want that is because if Cincinnati were to go and win one of those games, they are scared sh- – crapless that that's that, that's what would happen I'm telling you they don't want that to happen because all of a sudden the narrative changes on everything
1: well we said that and I don't want to get in a diatribe about this but we said that when Butler made two straight final fours and they fixed that that'll do it for this week for the best co-co-hosts in all the land Larry Marley and Brian Moss this is John Maddox signing off saying go Tigers go and we'll see everybody next week
0: Opinions expressed on this program by our guests and hosts do not represent the opinion of their employers or the University of Memphis. This podcast is in no way endorsed or affiliated with the University of Memphis. Join us again next week for another edition of Tigers Tonight.